0: <laughs> this is uh, this is Apologetics.com Radio. We challenge believers to think, and thinkers to believe, and it's a wonderful night to be here. We are actually live, not pre-recorded, no. I don't think.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Are you really here? I'm, oh. Are we in the Matrix? Joel, oh. are you here? I think so. I think so, too. No, we are here. <laughs> we are live in studio, and um, if you'd love to give us a call, we would love to hear from you. You can dial 81 oh my goodness, I almost gave my cell phone number out <laughs> Eight 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 nine nine five 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 two. That's eight 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 nine nine five K K L A. And if you are listening to us, you're listening uh, on K K L A. We are in Glendale, California.
1: Is Pasadena, Burbank,
0: Burbank? No, we're in Glendale, San Fernando. Where are we? Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad somebody here knows where we are. But uh, but it's it's midnight, uh, so technically I guess it's Saturday. Which is Holy Saturday, by the way. I've never heard of
1: Holy Saturday.
0: There's only one verse in the Bible that supports the understanding that there's a Holy Saturday. Hmm. Um, and I cannot for the life of me remember what that is. But yesterday, technically, for three minutes uh, yesterday, was Good Friday. So um, did you guys – did you go to church, Joel? Uh, briefly. You breathe like what? You just like checked in, like kind of, yeah. Said, "Hey, I'm here," and then peaced out. Got a donut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, I, pra- I prayed with some friends that were starting a service. So. I love it. That's really good. That's really really good. You stopped in, prayed with some guys, and then uh, and then moved on. Right on. <laughs> and uh, in my church, we had service. I go to uh, I'm a pastor at Soli Church. Solely Church. And uh, it's actually solely Deo Gloria Church, but we don't call it by that anymore because nobody knows what that means, which makes me a little sad. But uh, we had a Good Friday ser- service outside, and, uh, and it was amazing. We had a great time. About 150 of us maybe gathered. And um, I really, really love Good Friday because, uh, well, you're kind of left hanging. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's a very somber and, and sad day where we remember, what do we remember? This is a test.
1: Well, something about Jesus. Something about Jesus. That guy. He was. He he died. <laughs> yeah.
0: He Yes, he did for the sins of the world. It's pretty much actually the most significant event in human history, I think. I, I, I mean, you guys would agree with that, I think. It is. <laughs> right? Joel, Joel's laughing. We, we better
2: think that. <laughs> I, I would hope so, right?
0: <laughs> you know, one of the things I, I'm preaching this Easter and one of the things that I um, – I'm preparing to say in my message is point out the fact that uh, the the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus are pretty much central to the Christian worldview. And and what I mean by that is, if you don't believe in any of those things, uh, you're most likely not a Christian. And when I say resurrection, I mean bodily resurrection of Jesus. Um, and uh, so I thought maybe tonight, after we get a little, maybe we could do a little bit of update on how you guys are doing. But then maybe we'll dig into uh, the resurrection of Jesus, which is the reason for the season. <laughs> it's Easter. And Easter is actually, um, I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's way more exciting. It's, it's, a, it's a better time of year than even Christmas. And culturally speaking, we make a bigger deal out of Christmas and not so much Easter. But, I mean, Easter Sunday is by far my uh, my favorite sunday of the year. So so we'll go to we'll go to resurrection um in a little bit. But uh but Eric, how you been, man?
1: I've been pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a busy month for me. Uh, my older son got married.
0: Peyton and uh, Ann. Peyton and Ann. Congratulations. 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 To the oh my goodness. Uh, and now they're famous cuz they've been mentioned on apologetics.com right. radio. Millions
1: and millions of people. <laughs>
0: the mill- and millions. Yes, that's very exciting. That's your first uh, child. It's
1: our first child getting married, so it's a good experience. We had a, a, a great time <clears throat> up north uh, at uh, in a backyard. Uh, small, small family-only kind of ceremony. Uh, they'd actually been planning it for a long time uh, and uh, had to keep postponing it because of COVID. Uh, so they finally said, we're just going to do it. We're going to set a date. Small, small number of people, and we're just going to do it because it makes
0: sense. So, yeah, I love that. Well, congratulations! Thank you. You now have uh, a daughter-in-law.
1: I now have a daughter-in-law. She's lovely.
0: That's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. That's like my kids are younger, and I can't picture that. And yet, but you're too young to have a kid getting married.
1: Yeah, I'm at least fifty.
0: No, you're not. Oh, maybe you are. Oh, goodness me. You are old enough. Yeah. This is insane. Well, yeah. congratulations! I'm super stoked for you. Yeah, we're really happy. We're really happy. That's awesome. It's things wonderful are, things are, we got, are shaping we got up.
1: Three more to to marry off.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah but don't rush it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> right on. All right. It's a good
1: thing. It's a good thing. Right. It's a good thing to see the kids leave the nest and successfully take off, and and make their own decisions and go do the thing that they want to do. That's. I think it's a good thing. It's a sad time in our lives because you know we're, in in a sense, we're losing um, a relationship, but we're gaining something so much more in a different way. So,
0: I think that's a that's a super healthy way to look at it. You're you're losing something, but you're gaining something so much more. That's awesome. Well, congratulations, and uh, Joel, how you been, man? All right, yeah, hanging in there. Hanging in there. Yeah, what are you doing for Easter?
2: Uh just going to church. Nice. Celebrate.
0: Celebrate good times. <laughs> that's right. I think that's a, that's a good thing to be doing, and um, you know, going to church. I'm hoping that that everybody who's listening has a has a church to go to, you know, or uh, or at least participate online to some extent. But I think most of the churches now have have. I would. I, I think. Well, I'll
1: tell you, our church has been. Um, we've we've really stressed the online part to make make it available to as many of our congregants as, as can. Can attend. Um, our services have in-person services have been overflowing into the parking lot at um, at our church. So, you know, I, I think we're going to keep the online service, but but more and more people are showing up in person, which is really good. And I think um, for Easter we're going to have two services as opposed to just
0: the one. So, the so things
1: seem like they're opening up and they're um, they're collating.
0: Why why do you think that is? Like, what do you think's changing?
1: Well, I think we got the vaccinations. So I think people feel more and more comfortable coming out. I think that the number of cases is going down. It's, it's all COVID related, right? So I think that that uh, the number of cases is going down. Um in in our county Ventura County where we live. Uh we're moving through into the orange tier, we're following in Los Angeles County um in that direction. So uh, again, I think people just feel like they can come out. I I you know in in two different ways. One is uh, they can come out because they feel like they're not going to get persecuted and they can come out because they feel like they're safe. I think there's there's two kinds of categories of people
0: yeah when you say persecuted people aren't going to look at them right like oh you're one of those that's not obeying uh, the government and okay. then the people who think it's safe are the ones who are actually concerned for their health right i think that's a good uh I think that's a good assessment you know yeah yeah
1: so i think uh, and i think we're gonna i think people are, are anxious to meet up with people they haven't seen in a while um i think easter is a great ex- i don't want to call it this is a horrible choice of words but it's a great excuse <laughs> Do not use the
0: word excuse <laughs> Ah and that was uh that's been Apologetics dot com radio for tonight and it's uh it's been lovely to be with you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks thanks for being here. Easter's Easter's a great excuse to get to church. I don't yeah, even want I just you on the that. show anymore, man. Yeah.
1: Uh
0: You yeah. gotta get to church for Easter. You gotta get to church for Easter. You've got to. You've got to. Make this you know what? Last Easter was the um The start of all this. We were in the pandemic, and it was right around Easter that we decided, you know what? Uh, We're going to be good. We're going to submit Romans 13, submit to the government. We're going to listen to what they say, and we shut down Easter. And and I'm not going to say we'll never not have in-person services again, because I don't know what the future is going to bring. But it 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 would be a lot. It would take a lot more for me to to cancel in person services. And I'm not saying like I'm not trying to get political on this tonight because this isn't even really what I want to talk about. But, um, man, Sunday morning something happens.
1: It's it's different. So I think our experience has been um, we we did online service for a long time. <clears throat> even though I'm 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 involved with the the online service, so I have to be present at the church. I feel like when,
0: producing the online service,
1: something like that. Yeah. So the. So, but our family stayed in the beginning. We kind of stayed away from the church, um, but we decided we. It, it wasn't. It's not the same. It's a good. I mean, if that's all you have, it's better than nothing. But um, but there's something you're missing something big time. There's there's something different. Yeah. About the, the 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 corporate worship. Even if you're not inter- integrating with people, even if the people you're worshiping with aren't your, aren't your closest friends, um, just being in a group of people worshiping and listening to the word and being aligned. Um, with God in that place. There's something different about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, my my personal opinion, my humble opinion would be that uh, I think we have far too low a view of church. Mm. Um, I think that uh, the average evangelical church goer, me, me included, until fairly recently, so this is, this is uh, as much of a rebuke on me than it is for anybody else. I'm the first one to say this about myself, is that, um, I didn't fully understand. I think what actually happens on Sunday mornings. I thought it's a it's a good time. I have uh, it's refreshing. It's uh, we're equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. I've passed it at uh, a, a, a two different churches now. Um, one is the church we planted, and then the other is before that, uh, where you go, Eric. Mm-hmm. You know, great church, I Live in Oaks Church in, in Newbury Park, California. Um, you know, but I think that uh, we, while a lot of good stuffs done on Sunday mornings, sometimes we lose sight of uh, the power. That's what's, what's actually happening. On Sunday mornings, the church of Jesus Christ is globally gathering, and we're doing battle with the evil one. You know, there's something that happens that's supernatural as the church gathers together and we we sing and uh, we, we recite creeds and we confess our sins and we participate at the table And, um, and it's more than just a personal, which is great, but it's more than just a personal experience. It's more than just a, a refreshing. It's more than just like what I need. There's something corporately that's happening, um, uh, among the sphere, uh, that exists, that's out there that we can't see, you know, there's the spirit, there's a spiritual battle that's rage.
1: It's like a, it's like a representation of, of something. It's like, um,
0: yeah, well, I'd say it's more than a representation. It's actually something is manifestly happening. I'd say Satan is is. Uh, no, it's
1: like uh, what I'm saying is it's like a uh, we're making a declaration. We're saying, yeah, you know, we as as a, as a, as children of God are standing against this this power that's here. We're we're kind of carving our territory out. Yeah. By by all standing together, as opposed to each individually doing it on their own.
0: Yeah, and it's not passive; it's active. So what what we're doing is we're not we're not even just receiving something. We are actively in battle and in pursuit of winning. Uh, winning a war, and it's like even just I, you know I, I can't my Bible's down in my bag so I got to wait to get it to break or at least until I take a breath. But you know it, Revelation seven eight or nine I cannot remember off the top of my mind right now. But in Revelation seven 8, or nine you know uh, John tells us uh, what happens with our prayers. For example, mm. when we are when we are praying corporately, you know these are these are offerings as an as ascent offering offered up to the Lord and the Lord receives them. And he returns them back to us as answers, and and the and the wording in the scriptures is that, that he returns them back to us in, in thunder and in lightning, and, and he is he is up there hearing our petitions, hearing us, and he's and he is waging a full on war against the evil one, um, and it's happening all around us. And on Sunday mornings when we gather, when we gather together personally, like in person, in uh, not not online. Something very special happens that can't be replicated. It's like this. The way I've always explained this, and I don't know if I've said this to you guys before. Um, I'm, I'm sure I have, but it's like going to see a movie, right? Uh, you know, you can, you can wait till it comes out on video or whatever. You can get it on iTunes, um, and you can watch it by yourself in your living room. Well, it just ain't the same as going to the theater when the theater is full, yeah. and you get the snacks from the concession, and you, and you sit there, and you watch it. It's an experience. Something happens. It's different. Then watch it in your living room. So you're
1: saying it's the snacks.
0: It's, well, it's the vending that gets me, yes. It's the, you know, it's the extra large soda and the free refills on popcorn. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with the snacks. But anyway, Joel, you're dying to say something, I feel like. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, well, the first thing that put me in mind of was uh, Ephesians. Uh, I think Ephesians 3 says that uh, through the church, uh, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the principalities and the powers. And so yeah, Ephesians is all about the communal the communal warfare, the warfare for the church community and the church community as as representing the Messiah on the earth uh, you know releasing the uh, messianic power the resurrection on the earth, so I think that there is something something very powerful whenever we gather together in the name of uh, in the name of jesus
0: but
1: but it 's a spiritual battle right i mean we 're not talking about painting our faces and you know, right, bringing our AKs to to church, right? <laughs> dude.
0: I right. just watched. Uh, right, you got you reminded me of uh, that Mel Gibson movie, um, <laughs> Braveheart. Braveheart. I just watched <laughs> that the other night. Where they Pray paint their faces. Jugs. Yeah, Pray no, it's not. It's a different battle altogether. It's a
1: completely different battle, and I don't know if a lot of us even know what we're fighting. I mean, I think I think we're like, and this is where I was going with the representation. We're kind of I think we're representing um, a stance in God together, but not really knowing, you know. I'm throwing an arrow this way, and I'm throwing an arrow that way, and I'm swinging a sword this way. I, I don't know that we know what we're fighting.
2: Do we? Well, that's a that's the sixth chapter of Ephesians. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think we take our we don't take our faith
0: often as supernaturally, I think, as we should. Well, There's we've been influenced, right? So we've been influenced by the Enlightenment. We've been influenced through postmodern thinking, and we've adapted to some of that. So we're synchronistic in a certain extent. Our churches, at least. Are synchronistic where we look at the the world through a naturalistic lens by default right um, you know we don't on our minds every single day have the supernatural which is one of the things that this time of year points us to um, clearly which is one of the things one of the things that I love so much about this coming Sunday is is uh, in in the resurrection of Jesus his empty tomb and everything the events that surrounds this event we see a collision of worlds. We see a a collision of of spheres: the the naturalistic sphere and the supernaturalistic sphere, and the divide that was once there is smashed as Jesus rose from the dead Uh, and and, and currently sits at the right hand of God the Father. Like I'm, I just this is so cool. This is amazing.
1: (laughs) It is. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing.
0: You know, and that's, uh, and I think as we as we started saying, you know, we have a low view of church. Sometimes, like you were saying, it, Joel a little bit, you pointed to us there is that we have a low view of of reality. In that, uh, when, I was just going to say that. Yeah.
1: I, I had to remind somebody today that um, the resurrection, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ isn't a story. It's it's a thing that really happened in history. This is something that really happened.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't like the word story. I use the word account. Right. It's it's a true account of what happens. But but my question, and this leads perfectly actually into the topic that I'd love to chat with you guys. And again, if you're listening, and this is apologetics.com radio, where we challenge believers to think and think is to believe. And you give us a call at 888-995-5552. That's 888-995-5552. And you can ask any question that you'd like. Uh, we'd love to hear any questions having to do with the resurrection, but we'll take anything having to do with any um, apologetics, of course. But but uh, if you have a philosophical question, um, if you have a scientific question, whatever you, whatever questions you might have in the area of faith values and religion, uh, we'll we'll take a stab at it. We might not give you the right answer, but we give you our best our best we'll shot an at answer. it. We'll give you an answer, you know. <laughs> but but so the 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 question is is how do we know that Jesus rose from the dead, right? How how do we know that? Like I mean, how, like
1: how did we come to hear the story?
0: See. The account, the account. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, like, okay. So, uh, what's our main source for the resurrection?
1: Right. So, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy who was born in 1970. Um, clearly, well after this event has has occurred. So, how how is it that I came to believe and understand that this this has happened as a as a historical event?
0: Yeah. How are we how are you coming to that conclusion? As Greg Coca would say.
1: Yeah. We have to look at the evidence.
0: And where are we getting the evidence from?
1: Uh, well, the Bible is the primary source. Sure.
0: I, I agree with that. I think that's a right answer. Right. But the question is, so, so that if we push the question down, you know, can we trust what the Bible has to say? Right. I think that's where we need to go. Like, how do we know that the Bible is, is a true and accurate account of, of the things in history? And, um, you, know, you know, I've spent a lot of years before I was a pastor, before I was uh, a, a speaker with Stand the Reason, um, I spent a lot of my, my time in, in the legal world. Right, so I was a paralegal for I don't even know how many years—too many, uh, way too many—at some really great firms, some, some of the best law firms in the country. Some good stories too. Yeah, I have a lot of good stories from that. You know, I worked with some some really famous famous clients. I've, um, you know, I've I've labored on more than a few high profile cases. Um, you know, some in front of the Supreme Court. When I was living in D.C., uh, the, the firm I was at specialized in one extent in appellate work, so we were in front of the Supreme Court. Like, all the time, you know, uh, doing cases. The first case I ever worked on as a paralegal was a, a Supreme Court um, ineffective assistance of counsel case um, for the Supreme Court. And it was amazing. We won, and uh, and it, it changed the way that, um, that the, the legal practice is done, which is so cool that you can have that effect, you know. But whenever we were preparing for trial – uh, we'd ask uh, three fundamental questions of of the witness and, and of the evidence or whatever. Whenever I was gathering stuff in that war room, uh, we'd ask the three fundamental questions. Is it true, has it changed, and is it corroborated? So that's yeah. what we're asking of the evidence, whether it be an that's eyewitness or whether it be a, a document or whether it be uh, whatever, whatever we're dealing with, whatever kind of case, if it's a criminal case. So, you know, uh, ha- is it true, has it changed, and is it corroborated? So I guess, you know, the the... The first question we got to set out to answer here is, is, is the Bible true? How do we know that the Bible is true? Well, that's an interesting,
2: it's an interesting question for me because I walked away from church for a long time, and I wouldn't say that I, I threw it all away. I wasn't the kind of person to say, you know, I hate all of this and I'm glad to be rid of it. Um, but at the same time, I, I did wonder, like, how do, how do I know how much of this is true? Is it uh, does it just seem true because we want it to be true? That kind of question, and um, a lot of things that I'd read, uh, of the things that I'd read over the years, the evidence that demands a verdict kind of stuck in my mind a lot. That's
0: Josh McDowell, yeah, and, and the newest version is uh, with his son Sean yeah. McDowell. Fantastic book, yeah.
2: So I I had things from the old book in my head, and some of the things that really stuck out to me, especially being away from it for years and then coming back to it and just kind of reading it with fresh eyes and thinking you know not reading as a believer just reading as as a person what does this seem like to me
0: really cool yeah good yeah
2: and uh, my impression is that it doesn't it doesn't come across as someone making up a tale it's not the cunning cunningly devised tale it doesn't it sounds uh, it's like the uh, the embarrassing aspects yes. of history you know it's like people <laughs> People are not trying to make themselves look good. Um, it, it looks it looks as terrible as it does in real life. You know, church isn't happening smoothly. People are failing. You know, church is failing. Uh, ministers are failing, and uh, so it doesn't come across as something. Let's let's make our you know let's make ourselves look good. You know, let's make let's make the religion look good. Um, it's messy. It's as messy as real life. And even the Old Testament is like that. But the New Testament follows in that vein. It's a very gritty mm-hmm. – it's a very gritty tale. <laughs> and it, it, it reads like people just giving an account. And I yeah. think – I had to think that whoever wrote this really believed it. Yeah. And when they, when they say, <clears throat> oh, you know, these other witnesses out there, they, they're still around. Yeah. And they'll tell you what happened. They really believe that. They yeah. believe that they talk to these witnesses, and and so that's
0: that's something that made a big impression on me. Yeah, and actually, you're pointing at something that's, um, you know, this is actually a historical method. This is part of the historical method when we're trying to judge any documents um, in in history as whether they're historically reliable or reliable or not. Is we do what's called the, the it's called the honesty test. You know, so so what we do is we read the documents. We try to figure out: is the author telling us telling us the truth? Right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Do we have reason to believe that the author is telling? Um, is he telling us the truth, or is he lying? Uh, does the author intend to tell a true story? Is the intention behind the right. author to tell a true story, or is it a a, 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 a a once upon a time? You know, in a galaxy far, far away type thing. You know, it does it have a, an air of fantasy? Or is it? Is it actually? Does the author intend for it to to be true? You know, um, and I think that this these are important uh, questions for us. And so I'd say that the scriptures are written in such a way that the authors, at least the intent of the authors, is to relay events that actually happened in 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 real, uh, you know, uh, time space history. They're not making it up. It's not a romance novel.
1: At least for the the New Testament.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just the New Testament, the Old Testament. No, of course it's all of it.
1: Well, no, but the, I mean, I'm thinking of like Psalms and and stuff. There's no, there's no like intent to tell the truth, right? Those are those are just sayings. Those are just things that.
0: Well, Proverbs, well, right? Proverbs, yeah. but they're truth. I mean, Psalms, Psalms are filled with David's, you know, lament and his struggle, and and um, I think. But that – But they're they're certainly
1: artistic. They're much more artistic than say a letter from Paul.
2: Yeah, but I mean, different, I I, th- I think I genre. see. Genre. I yeah, think okay. I see what you are hinting at, John. Is that um, you have what amounts to like the, the most powerful man in the land, and he's writing he's writing these psalms, and he's writing about his moments of weakness, which I think is pretty rare. Yeah. That, oh, for sure. That a, especially at that time, that a living well, author.
0: So it's rare for somebody to write about that and expose their weaknesses. If they're intending to t- uh, tell a true story, you know, if they're, if they're intending to tell a, a fable, they're, you know, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna write it differently. They're gonna approach the writing differently. They're gonna change things. They're gonna, you know, and, and so, so when we come across embarrassing facts, it's, 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 uh, it's the criterion of embarrassment mm-hmm. is what it is. You can, yeah, if, if there's a lot of embarrassing facts, which you most certainly are, especially in the gospels. Yeah. You, you, we can be pretty much uh, sure that the author is writing what really <laughs> happened. Um, and anyways, we're, we're coming up to our break. Wow, that was the first half hour. <laughs> Holy smokes. Um, if you guys are listening, this is apologetics.com radio, where we challenge believers to think and think is to believe. And we're going to be back in just a couple seconds and, uh, for your calls, but also to talk more about the resurrection of Jesus and why we can be sure that it happened. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks. The mission of Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers
1: to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences.
0: If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to
1: participate.
0: Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com.
3: I'm not usually one to give prescriptions, but... Here's one that I can easily guarantee. Hi, I'm Chuck Swindoll. If you should choose to meditate, really concentrate on God's grace, it will transform your life. You will not be the same. Your attitudes will change from negative to positive. Your relationships with people will change from suspicious and intolerant to affirming and even understanding. I'm prepared to say today that your feelings toward the Lord himself will be changed. You'll begin to enjoy the Lord as some of you have never enjoyed him in your entire Christian life. Meditating on grace. Pastor and teacher Chuck Swindoll. Visit Insight for Living's website at insight.org. This is John MacArthur. Please join me for today's Portraits of Grace. When you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you became a new creation and your life began to center on Him rather than yourself. The Holy Spirit began to transform your attitudes and your actions. As a result, you started pursuing God's glory instead of worldly pleasures. But I must admonish you, just as Paul did to the Corinthians, test yourselves to see if you're really in the faith. Examine yourselves. Don't ever be deluded about your relationship with Christ. Did those changes really take place? Do you now have a living hope? Are you fixed on a glorious eternal inheritance? Has your life changed? Be sure your faith is real. That's the most important issue of all. This is John MacArthur encouraging you to live as Portraits of Grace.
2: All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show.
0: And we are back. We're back in the saddle again, boys. We're ready to hit up, uh, hit up the most difficult questions ever asked of anybody. We're going to change the world. Break it up. It's, a, it's Apologetics.com radio where we change the world every week. <laughs> no, where we challenge believers to think and think to believe and if you guys are listening, you are listening live it's twelve thirty one a m on Saturday. It's holy Saturday. It's a Saturday that falls between Good Friday and Easter, the day that uh, that we celebrate that uh, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead after being crucified and uh, paying a penalty that we couldn't pay. we just couldn't afford it. He paid that price for you and me because he loves us, which is unbelievable. it's it's like unbelievable, it's unbelievable. In, in the truest sense of the words. And before we get back into all of, uh, all of the resurrection stuff that we have, we have so much to talk about. We're not going to get through half of it, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I'd like to, to just bring to everybody's attention, if you guys are listening, there's a fantastic event put on by the Science and Culture Network. If, if you're out there and you're listening and you have questions having to do with science and, and specifically evolution and how is it reconciled to your faith, I cannot encourage you enough to register for this April 10th event, uh, Evidence Against Neo-Darwinism from the Fossil Record. And they have a special guest presenter, Dr. Gunther Beckley. Uh, he is a world-renowned expert. Um, you know he's going to present a talk on how neo the, the neo Darwinian theory of evolution predicts a gradual bottom up pattern of appearance of new biological kinds and body plans. This is so cool in, in the fossil record. So we look at things that happened so long ago in order to prove a fairly modern theory false, which is just unbelievable. It's going to be it's going to be very 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 cool, and uh, this is this is an event that is it's free. F-R-E-E. You don't even want my money. (laughs) This is unbelievable. This is fantastic. Thank you to the Science and Culture Network. And and if you guys are listening, there is a caveat, though. It's free, but you have to register. That's it. So, Joel, if I'm sitting at home right now and I really want to go see Dr. Beckley present uh, on how the neo-Darwinian synthesis is false from the fossil record, how would I go about doing that? You go to discovery.org slash
2: scn socal scn socal yeah so yeah slash scn s-o-c-a-l awesome yeah discovery.org discovery.org slash scn socal
0: i think you guys got one more time one one more time (laughs) discovery.org slash scn socal i love it and uh you guys do not want to miss this event um it's 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 going to be a really uh, fantastic time. He's a pa- paleo entomologist who specializes in the fossil history and systematics of insects, especially dragonflies. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be amazing. This is unbelievable. Um, so you guys don't miss out on this. It's April tenth. You go to. Um, the the website that we just mentioned and you register it's going to be saturday april 10th 2021 from 11 a.m to 12 30 p.m registration is open now uh, seats are limited so you want to make sure that you get to this free <laughs> event and uh, it's going to be a good time. And with that, uh, you know what? I'd love to uh, maybe go to, the, go to the phone lines and, and take our first caller this evening. Is that okay? Eric, Let's do you do feel it. good about this? I feel great. You feel good? What about you, Joel? Sounds good are to me. Are you on board? Okay, so we got, we got uh, my, my buddies here in studio on board with us. And Glenn, are you on board with us?
3: I think I'm on board,
0: yeah. Oh, my gosh, you are, Glenn. How are you doing tonight?
3: I am well. How are you
0: doing? Oh, man, better than I deserve. And uh, where are you calling us from?
3: There it is. I haven't heard that in a while. I'm calling
0: you from Canada. I know who you are, Glenn. Glenn, are you a Christian yet?
3: I'm working on it. Yeah,
0: all right. Well. <laughs> all right. Good call, and we'll talk. No, I'm just joking, Glenn. Uh, Glenn, for those of uh, for those of the listeners, uh, Glenn, you used to call fairly regularly, and um, and I've always appreciated the conversations. Uh, that you've brought to our door, very honest. Um, I feel like there's a mutual respect, and uh, it's just it's just really good to hear your voice again. Thank you so much for giving us a call.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking me on. I uh, tonight I was wondering uh, if you guys would be interested in, in bouncing kind of your best case for the the resurrection, which seems kind of be the direction of the show mm-hmm. in a kind of an iron sharpens iron kind of way, not in a, a hostile position, but just what like what, what do you? What would you expect a, a non-believer to make it a case, and, and how would you present it to somebody who isn't already in your camp and agree?
0: That's a that's a fantastic question. That's a good question. I love it. You've just uh, you have just eliminated like fifteen minutes of the show for me, so we can just jump to the meat. You know, um, uh, could, do, you, do you mind, Glenn, if I just start with like kind of an anecdotal uh, story? Would that be okay? Not at, all. Not at all. You know, uh, I think that what the question that you're asking is actually. The whole reason why I'm doing this very thing tonight Like I, you know, I sit here, I volunteer behind the mic Just at midnight of all things, um, of all times And uh, why does this matter? Like why is what we're doing even matter? And this came alive to me one time I was uh, I was eating dinner with a really good friend who was in town I was in Venice Beach And not a believer I'm the only believer of really my friend group from childhood And we're st- I'm still tight with my my three or four best friends They Every once in a while they'll come out and visit me and we were out in Venice Beach and talking and, and they always make fun of me, not make fun of me, but in a, in a fun way. Like we have fun with each other, you know, and, and we, you know, um, we bust each other up according to worldview terms. And, and they're asking me like and then uh, questions. And one of the older brother, he asks me, you know, well, why do you believe what you believe? And I say, well, because I think it's true. You know, that's why I don't do it because it makes me feel good or it certainly hasn't given me any fame or money. That's for sure. Um it hasn't made life easier. It's just I, I believe it because it's true. And if something else is is posed to me that I think is more true, then I'm more than happy to abandon my beliefs and believe that thing that's true. Uh, truth above all is, is kind of the way I am. And I started talking about this, and I said, well, why do you think it's true? And, and ultimately, everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus, right? So Paul says that if Jesus has not been raised, then we're still dead in our sins, right? He goes on to say that we're we're to be pitied above all people, um, you know, if, if we just believe in Jesus for the here and now. So the resurrection is central. And I start talking to them about this, and I start giving them some of the lines of evidence that I use, which we can get into, you know, uh, the historical events that... Uh, surround the resurrection that are that are universally agreed for the most part. I say universally loosely, um, the majority of scholarship out there, whether they're atheist, Christian, you know, Hindu, whatever, Muslim, uh, they believe certain things happened in history. And I start mentioning some of these events to my friends, and now we're walking through the streets of Venice, and I'm arguing for the resurrection. I'm saying, well, this happened, this happened. You know, Jesus lived. I mean, he's it's generally. Believe that Jesus is a historical figure. He lived um, in the first century. You know, he he gathered a group of people around him. He taught certain radical things. He died on a cross because of what he taught. Um, now, historically speaking, from historical terms, the you know the empty tomb is is largely believed to be historically reliable across the board. Um, so, so you have somebody who lived, who was uh, crucified, who died. Historical fact. I'm putting that in quotes fact, um, in an empty tomb. And then you have, uh, experiences of disciples, for example, I'm just blowing through these, uh, with my friends walking down Venice and I'm mentioning all this stuff to him. I'm like, this is why I believe, because now I have all this evidence that I call them building blocks that I've built my worldview kind of upon. And, um, and I think that we need to come up with a hypothesis that explains all of these events, um, in light of each other, not individually. And I think the best, the best explanation for those events is that God raised Jesus from the dead. And in God raising Jesus from the dead, I think it lends credibility, uh, reliability to the rest of Jesus's story. I think that means that Jesus is who he says he is. And at that time, I turn around and there's actually a group of probably like five or six other people that have started following us uh, down into Venice Beach. And, and Glenn, have you ever been to Southern California? Yeah, I have. Uh, have you ever been to Venice Beach? Yeah. Yeah. So so I mean if you can picture Venice speech, it's like I mean, it is the, the coolest, most eclectic, weirdest place you could possibly go in, in in Southern California. It's fantastic. I love Venice Beach. There's characters down there, and and so I'm I'm sharing evidence for why I believe what I believe. And now there's a group of just a, a group of strangers around me asking me questions, and and these are some of the things that I would say to them. You know, I, I mean, I would I would say that there's certain events. You know, I mentioned to them right, Jesus' death by crucifixion. Uh, Jesus' burial, disciples despair, empty tomb. Disciples experience, disciples transformation. You know, your early preaching in Jerusalem. Um, you know, the the birth of the church in Jerusalem. You know, the the the, the shift from uh, from Saturday worship to Sunday worship. Uh, you glad you don't go to church, but I do. You try to change anything in church. And it's a fight, man, never mind the day. You try to change the day of church. I mean, I try to go from 10 o'clock to 10.15, and I have a revolt, you know, and the whole day changed, you know, and then, and then ultimately for me, because I relate to him so much, is Paul's conversion. So he goes from Saul of Tarsus to, to, to Paul the evangelist. And so there's these events, and that's just 10 that I rattled off really quickly that are, are facts of history. Again, I use the word facts in a historical sense, uh, facts of history. And now uh, most scholars that, that, that study in this area that participate in this area in, in, um, in, in the, it's their field would agree to these things, regardless of their worldview. Now we need to come up with a hypothesis that explains them. And when I was an unbeliever, I was wrestling with these things, and I found it um, – man, I don't know how to say this. I'm not trying – I found that my presupposition of naturalism was really getting in the way of coming to an honest conclusion with these things. So I was not just—I I wasn't just looking for a hypothesis that explained all these events in light of each other. I was looking for a naturalistic hypothesis that explained all of these events in light of each other, and I was struggling with it, and I couldn't. But once I dropped that presupposition of naturalism, it it, it opened up the door to, to a supernatural answer. So that's um, that would be that God raised Jesus. So that that would ultimately be my argument. Um, and these guys can add in and, and we can just talk if you'd like. And I actually have no callers for the rest of the night. So, well, right now for the next 19 minutes, I'm all yours or we're all yours. But the uh, I would say that there's certain events, building blocks of history that happened that we can agree that happens across ideological and worldview um, uh, spectrums. And now we need to come up with a hypothesis as to what really happened. Um, does that make sense?
3: Yeah, that's great. I, uh, I'm sitting here kind of smiling at some of those stories. I'm, I'm, there's certain resonances with another itinerant preacher near water, but uh, imagining this gaggle following you. And w- one of the things I really <laughs> appreciate... That was
0: I like the word gaggle. <laughs> is,
3: uh, Sorry. I don't know how else you'd describe an eclectic uh, group <laughs> the, the mark? Maybe. <laughs> but... Um, one of the things I appreciate and have come to appreciate more as I, as I journey through this uh, is that uh, despite the tone you'll sometimes hear on a YouTube video or, or on a, on the street, that, you know, there, there are really intelligent people on both sides of this who can have reasonable disagreements about the evidence and about the interpretation of the evidence. Uh, and neither side uh, really needs to be... Uh, you know, flinging, flinging mud and calling names and accusing people of being irrational and dishonest. And I think one of the things your show sure does really well is take that tone. So, so I appreciate that, which is why you know, I feel welcome to call and I certainly enjoy it. Uh, I did wonder um, maybe if we could kind of slow down a bit and go through some of those uh, things that you rattled off there as kind of agreed upon facts. Sure. Maybe take them kind of a little slower so we have a chance to back and forth about one or two of them.
0: Absolutely. You know, the ones that I, I focus on, and I don't want to hog the whole show from, Please do. You're doing great. You know, um, from the other guys because they have a lot to add, is uh, d- Jesus' death by crucifixion I think is is fundamental, right? So if you don't have a dead Jesus, you don't have a risen Jesus. So I think it's
3: fun. I think I, I would agree. I'm, I'm with you on that one. That's pretty well attested.
0: <laughs> it's pretty well attested, too. I mean, I think that there's one or two accounts in, in all of history of somebody surviving a, a crucifixion. Um, the evidence for crucifixion, the evidence that, that comes from ancient history. That, I mean, the Romans knew what they were doing um, in a very sadistic way. And uh, they knew how to, you know, and uh, they knew how to, uh, you know, get the most pain for their buck, is what I say. You know, and, and so they keep people alive until they wanted them dead. And that's what the crucifixion ultimately was meant for. There's actually a, a really interesting um, I'm gonna see if I can pull it up real quick to give it to you. There's a, there's a, um, and it, it, there was there was been a, uh, a a study that's been published in a medical journal. Actually, I mean you're not pressing back at this fact, but the Journal of American uh, Medical Association. It's it's the premier medical journal in the states. This guy William D. Edwards. He actually um, he actually published an article titled "On the Physical Death of Jesus." where it's, it's actually like, so it's, it's published in a medical journal that it's pretty much established that Jesus must have died. And he goes through, if you read, the, you can find it online. If you read the journal article, it's, I mean, number one, it's really heart-wrenching uh, that anybody would go through this, never mind, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people who died by crucifixion and Jesus included in them. So it's a pretty well-established fact that if anybody got hung on a cross, uh, they died. Uh, I think, like I said, there's two accounts in history where somebody survived one of those accounts, uh, the person they found out they after they hung him on a cross, they found out he was a Roman citizen. They pulled him down, and he died later after receiving the best medical attention that the day had to offer. So he's dead. So I I, I would say that. Uh, sorry. So <laughs> <Well>, it's <laughs> I, a good point
2: because Jesus, uh, historically Jesus was not a Roman citizen.
0: No, he so was
2: not. He, he was. Uh, he grew up in a. He was a, a peasant. Essentially,
0: yeah, he was he was hung on a cross and he yeah. died. Uh, there was no reason why they would have taken him down before that. And even so, which actually kind of leads us into the second fact of history that I, I think that we need to really kind of hang our hat on is actually the post mortem appearances of Jesus. So let's just put our put our money where our mouth is. Right. So you have dead Jesus.
3: Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, we could argue empty tomb. I just don't think the evidence is quite as good. And, uh, you know, I think um, I'm I'm willing to, you know, uh, on historical standards, I'm willing to cede a lot more ground on that one. Uh, just because it's only since probably the last thirty years, oh, maybe more than that now. Man, I'm forty; I'm getting old. Mm-hmm. But since the eighties, there was there was like a surge of research on the empty tomb that happened during the eighties, and so uh, you saw uh, it become a little bit more accepted. Where before people couldn't, on historical grounds, verify, verify. Right? They're not saying it didn't happen, but they're saying, well, we can't verify that this actually is a historical event. It could have. Yeah,
3: and I think a good example of that. Although I haven't read anything honestly uh, in the last. You know, year on this, but I know Gary Habermas at one time had. Um, if, I'm sure your listeners all know who Habermas is. I won't explain it. Yes, uh, but he took the empty tomb off of his minimal facts list just because there wasn't enough agreement. Although he would certainly affirm an empty tomb. Don't don't let me put words in his mouth. Yeah, and just just to agree that that's uh, a. Yeah. We can. So you want to go to the appearances, the group appearances, or the experiences of the risen Jesus? That's,
0: yeah, I would. I I, I'd jump, I mean, I, I would jump there. I mean, I mean, because uh, I, I think it's the most significant, right? I mean, uh, Jesus' burial, despair, the, uh, the, 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 the disciples' despair, you know, stuff like that, empty tomb. Um, those are, I think, important, and I think that we could argue. I can argue for the historicity, but I think more important for our conversation in the next 15 minutes or 13 minutes is, right. you know, post-mortem appearances because this is really, like I said, where, where the rubber meets the road. Um, it it doesn't matter if he died. Yeah. Well, there's, there's other non, there's, there's naturalistic things that I could say that can explain, you know, uh, that Jesus died and that there's an empty tomb. Right. You know, I mean, I can, I can, I can explain that. The, the, the hard part is explaining if he, okay, he's dead and then all of a sudden he's, he's not, um, that's what, that's what resurrection is. Uh, you know, so I would say that when you look at the biblical account, you know, uh, you have all of these, um, experiences what and this is this is how it's very important how i'm i'm phrasing this and this isn't going to be news to you because it sounds like you've you've done some legwork here but it it's important to to read these uh according to the the people who are telling it so i'm not saying that these people definitely had an experience that definitely saw jesus raised i'm saying that they had an experience that they described as jesus being raised the post-mortem experience with jesus um, so I'm, I'm leaving the conclusion out of it. I don't want to be circular here. I don't want to argue, like, insert my conclusion. I'm just saying that this is what they said. So you have Mary Magdalene. Uh, you, have, you have Mary, the mother of Jesus, with other women. You've got Peter. You've got the two disciples. You've got 11 disciples, seven disciples, all the disciples. I mean, in 1 Corinthians, you've got 500 brethren. You've got James. In 1 Corinthians, you've got, um, I mean, all the apostles at once in Acts 1 uh, during his ascension yeah. saw him ascend. I mean, and, and of course paul
2: and you also have uh you have this sense that it's not even uh it would be hard enough i think to um explain away uh, a very detailed shared vision but um these are like interactive experiences so they're there yes! with him and and at <sighs> times not even realizing that um that it is Jesus yeah and this is, seems like an ordinary person until they until you know the veil is lifted and they're like oh my god this is this is jesus yeah and uh and then, in those moments, they're like they're seeing that he actually still has the wounds, yeah, but he seems fine he seems well, better yeah. than fine, yeah, he's walking through walls he's yeah, <laughs> but he's like he's other than other than the wounds that he's carrying, he's the picture of health, and their minds are
0: blown naturally, yeah. It's uh, and I love that you brought that up, Joel. Because um, and I think it's important, Glenn, to understand that these aren't just like we saw him. I mean, Mary Magdalene, for example, in John twenty ten through eighteen, right? So she's very specific on her experience. She says that she saw, heard, and touched him. You know, so now you've got all senses involved here. It's not just like it's. This is why I can dis- dismiss, for example, like the hallucination hypothesis, right? <clears throat> um, you know, oftentimes, oftentimes, not all the time. When we hallucinate uh, there's we don't we don't engage all of our senses you know we might engage one or two of them, but then also in the literature at least there's no evidence of group hallucinations right. that i've seen and and like I said man I'm after truth so if if, if there's stuff coming out in the literature um, g- discussing Uh, Group hypothesis. I mean, group uh, hallucinations. Like, let me know because I, uh, Mike Lacona. I don't know if you've seen this, Glenn. uh, He he does a great. He does a debate with uh, Bart Ehrman, and uh, and I love what he brings up in that debate on this topic. He says, "Let me. I want to know if there's a group hallucination experience because know what." I could use a vacation with just my wife to Hawaii. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got four little girls man i could I could use a week at the beach and if it doesn 't cost me anything but you know uh, a hallucination i 'm there you know um, so you know and 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 then you you combine this with the uh, with the intention of the authors right so uh, for I delivered to you first of all that which also received right so so that Christ died for our sins this is paul he's he 's writing as if these things are true he 's not trying to hoodwink us or. Or pull anything over on us um and and then you i mean from a historical just a strictly historical means you know so that's that's first corinthians and that comes from an early creed right i mean a, a lot of scholars believe in that the early creed that paul's quoting there to the church in corinth dates back early we're talking first century early um to right around the time of jesus because very early on this this was established because these authors were trying to preserve history, is is what is largely considered. Uh, are you tracking with us, Glenn? I'm talking an awful lot, man. I'm so sorry.
3: Well, no, that's okay. This, this, believe it or not, it's your show. I
0: was just <laughs> your yeah, but yeah, I'm but you're the one show. who matters here, not me. <laughs> so I'd rather talk.
3: Well, I guess one that. thing that I would maybe uh, just kind of wonder about is how how confident we are that there were group appearances. How do we you know that?
0: Yeah, that is a fantastic question, and it goes it goes back to the the fundamentals, right? How reliable are the scriptures? You know, is the Bible trustworthy? What's our criteria for that? And I think that when we, and we don't have a time now, we got five more minutes in the show, but you know, when we, when we judge the, the scriptures, certainly the new Testament, like let's just stick new Testament for now, you can extend this to the old Testament. I'm not shying away from that. I'm not scared of the old Testament, but the new Testament's where Jesus is raised. So uh, according to, I mean, historical standards, the way that we do history, the science of history, I think the new Testament can be shown to stack up to, uh, to any other work of history. So if we're going to look with a critical lens at the New Testament, I, I just want to make sure that we're looking at the other works of antiquity with the same critical lens.
1: So um, what you're what you're it's saying
0: it's, is it's, 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 I don't think but
3: what I think are you are you talking about kind of the textual criticism conclusion that the the text we have received of the New Testament is accurate to the original Is that what you're that's is that what you're saying or are you saying yeah it's, it's,
0: i'd go a step further so i would say yes that's what i'm saying but i'm also saying that that we can trust the events as being history for example we can trust that the gospels are greco-roman biographies the authors uh in them were intending to relay uh the facts of history you know the um that's how these things that we can trust that because of well for any number of reasons but we look at the stylistics the, the style of writing and and stuff so we they're intended to be Historical, as as we were saying before we took a call, the last half hour, I guess, is they weren't like a um, you know uh, in a galaxy far, far away right. type story. It's not meant to uh,
3: with the, with the caveat that Greco Roman biography is not the same as modern biography, it's kind of
0: one hundred percent historical. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's different there's different yeah. types of yeah. There's going to be different literary styles, you know, time compression and. And all these things, you know, I mean, yeah. stuff told it out of order, and uh, but but that's but that is even in and of itself an evidence to the I think the veracity or at least the reliability of the the documents themselves. Yeah. We know what the genre. So is.
3: I wonder though how how would you,
0: how would you respond to somebody like um, like a Bart Ehrman who suggests that
3: what we have in the New Testament is kind of the compilation of the oral history that was floating around for a few years prior to being written down that. You know, we don't actually
0: know
3: what being said originally. We just, we have, we have this earliest recorded bit,
0: um, but that we don't really know where it came from. Yeah. I'd, I'd need to, like, I would press Airman on that. And I mean, he's written books on this, but, uh, but obviously I don't agree with his books. I'd press him on that as to what has led him to the conclusion okay. that these, these things are such and not cause, cause I'm of the, I'm, I'm of the opinion that we do know who wrote these books. Um, and 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 uh, the you know, for the most part the the people who are named um, mark is actually the exception here that's the book that uh, that I'm preaching out of this weekend you know but I, I think I, I would say that there's good evidence to believe that for example Matthew wrote Matthew um, you know so it's not there's not this this heightened sense of mystery as to the authors of these books I'd also say that again you go back to the judging of uh Hi, how we do history and how we trust what happens, you got to stack the the New Testament up against any other work of history, whether it be uh, um, uh, the Pliny or, or any of the other ancient authors. Uh, yeah, does that yeah. does that make sense? Did yeah. that answer your question? I don't yeah, even know so if that is.
2: I, well,
3: I, I don't think any of these questions get answered in a, in a short format. No. Um, but I do appreciate <laughs> you guys taking the time to chat. I recognize we've got a few. So I'll send you off to your final thoughts. I appreciate
0: you taking me on. Hey, man, Glenn, I appreciate you more than uh, more than I could ever say. Actually, like I I love these, and I only have thirty seconds here, but but thank you for calling. I'm going to let you go right now. But um, I got to say, the the conversations that we have with Glenn are fantastic by and far my favorite. And um and uh, you're a good man, and I and I appreciate you. I hope uh, I hope you're able to get out on, on the ice. If I remember correctly, he plays hockey. If I remember correctly. I like him even more now. Yes, I knew you would. But um, but, anyways, we only have 30 seconds, and we barely scratched the surface on, on the resurrection, which is the most important event that ever happened in human history.
1: Yep, an event that actually happened. Yes. Don't forget
0: that. And we proved that tonight, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Objective fact. That's right. Jesus has been raised. Now, it's, uh, it, it's just great to wrestle with these things. These are the questions and the things that we should be wrestling with. They're worth our time. And how refreshing it is! So, hey, Glenn, thank you so much, Shirley. I see you're on the board, and I'm not gonna be able to get to you tonight. But it would have been good to hear your voice again. Um, We gotta go, guys. We gotta go. So, uh, it's Easter weekend. If uh, if you don't have a church to go to, I suggest maybe trying to find one um, and uh, get out there and worship Christ because He's raised, (laughs) and you you are forgiven of all your sins, past, present, and future, because Jesus is your Savior. So. (laughs) Uh, with that, I'm I'm John, and for, for Eric and Joel, this is Apologetics.com Radio, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.